like to welcome you to the final episode of the PSI series, Parsha Masse. We on some journeys, y'all. So we're in Bami Bar 33 through chapter 36. And it's kind of bittersweet because the PSI series has been so fun. It's been about a lot of numbers. It's been, pun intended, because we're in the book of numbers. Also, crazy titles. You know, Parsha Boomy Bar. Parsha Say It's Not So. Parsha, uh, what did I call Beha Aloteka? Man, I don't even remember what I called it. Oh, Be Alo. Beha Aloha Teka. Yeah, like Aloha. And then uh, Shlok. What was the Shlok down? And then Korak, which was Parsha Quarantine. Then we had Hukat, which I call Parsha Hookup. And then uh, Parsha Balak, uh, you know, just uh, blow up, you know, choke out and blow up. Hukat, Balak, double Torah portion. And then. Um, Parsha Pinchas, uh, ridiculous. Didn't even know what to title that one, but uh, yeah. Because uh, I said so, I guess. No, I don't know. That was terrible. That was a stretch. Uh, my tote, which didn't come up with one for that, but um, you know, my tote. You know, so that's that's just the name of that parsha. Nothing uh, fancy on that one. Parsha Masse. So, um, one of the things I did actually, <laughs> I think it was last year, I called it TJ Max because these two Torah portions, my tote stands for tribes, which is the T, and my say is journeys, which is the J. So, TJ Max put these two Torah portions together. Or we can say TJ Trader Joe's, um, like the grocery store, because <laughs> uh, it's all about the tribes and journeys. So, uh, the Mato PSI was so fun to do. I felt so all over the place in that one, and uh, I expect Parsha Marseille to be no different, because I have some notes, and I wanted to start with Gematria for Marseille, and uh, looking at the Parsha Mnemonics by Rabbi Raskin Shlita, that's where we're going to start. So, he says this beautiful opening says a young man is standing around on the floor of a factory not even pretending to work the ceo comes over and asks him what his monthly salary is he replies one thousand dollars sir the ceo pulls out his wallet hands the man a thousand dollars here's your money he snaps i pay people to work here get out and never come back the man pockets the money and quickly leaves the ceo asks the other workers who was that guy anyway sir they reply 
He was the pizza delivery man. <laughs> okay. So there's that. Uh, one of the things to go back, because that was uh, the opening for the Parsha Mnemonic of Parsha Mase. But I just glanced over uh, for the end of Parsha Matot. And it says, one of the things that we need to do as a call to action is increase Torah study over the three weeks. Especially the laws of building the Holy Temple and the Geula, which is the final redemption. So, yeah, I'm all about that. Anytime I can increase Torah study, bring it. But uh, let's look at some building the Holy Temple and some redemption stuff. Well, one of the ways that we can rebuild the temple, did you know? Mashiach Yeshua says in Matthew 28. Let's go to Matthew 28. So, uh... Matthew 28, 18, it says, what does it say? Sleek guy, getting a prep day all prepped up over here. I like using uh, the Bible Hub, so... Sometimes it's hit or miss on how you abbreviate things and what comes up here. So, Matthew 28, 18. What does it say? It says this. Again, we're focused on building the temple, right? Yeshua says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make Talmudim of all the nations baptizing them or immersing them or shall we say toveling them in a mikvah in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh which means in the name of Hashem and His Mashiach in the Torah or shall we say Israel, the Torah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because those are considered to be one Anyway, that's the waters of the mikveh. Talked about the waters of the mikveh, by the way, uh, in Parsha Mato PSI. So if you haven't listened to that, should check that one out because it's ridiculous. Uh, how the Torah is a mikveh and how confession and repentance go hand in hand with that. And that's connected to the insight on why do we kosher our dishes by immersing them in a mikveh. We immerse our dishes in a mikveh. So... Stand by for a second. Okay, so going on, it says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and I am with you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So until the end of this exile, we are accompanied by the Shekinah because we remember that the Shekinah is exiled with us, right? So let me source that out. Again, I got to work on my typing, so stand by. Blech. 
I believe it is Trek Tape Megillah. See if that'll pull up here. Uh, okay, well, fine. We'll just go with Zohar 3, 277a, which says, For even though the Shekinah is in exile, the Holy One, blessed be he, does not move from her. Okay. Kav Hayashar 49.14 says, And as the Shekinah descended into exile, it is said, First I will go and weep over my house and my children and the great unification that took place in the Beit HaMikdash. So, wasn't looking for any of that, but that just happened. So, when Mashiach says he's with us even to the end of this age, talking about the exile, uh, he's basically saying, just like the Shekinah is in exile with the Jews, so am I with you, because I need you to go make more Jews, because I'm among them. And then again, Sanhedrin 98 brings down that the Mashiach is at the gates of Rome, and the gates of Rome is outside of Israel. So, if we really want to build a temple, what we need to be doing is going out to find proselytes, gathering in divine sparks. Because, remember, as Kepha writes, we're living stones built up into a spiritual temple. So, if the spiritual temple is not being built up, then what makes us think the physical temple is going to be built? And remember, the third temple is a spiritual temple anyway. We talked about that with the... Uh, I'm doing a Bain HaMetzrim series, by the way, right now. Uh, the three weeks is called the Bain HaMetzrim. And uh, it's the three weeks of mourning that we're Bezrat Hashem overturning into joy and uh, asking Hashem to send Mashiach now. So, can you hear our tone? But I'm doing the Aleph Bet from Tav to Aleph, so the Atbash basically, taking the Aleph bed in reverse and building up the temple of Bezrat Hashem that way. And so uh, on the first episode of that series, I'm talking about the letter Tav and I go into a whole uh, section of sources that talk about the third temple being the conglomeration of the first and second temple uh, together and how it descends from Shemayim and it's surrounded by consuming fire. So there's all that to take into account. But going on, it says, Kav HaYashar 50 verse 7, Now that we're in exile, the synagogue is the home of the Shekinah. Therefore, we must treat it with dignity and sanctity and not display there any lightheadedness. Kav HaYashar 37.9 for the Shekinah dwells continually in every synagogue in this bitter exile. Okay, and um, let's see. No, somebody's going to have to bring up this uh, Megillah. There it is. Who is this? This is the Spiritual Heroes, Volume 1. The creators of the Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef, 63. Okay, we're just going to do that now, huh? Rabbi Akiva believed that the Jewish people proved the greatness of God when he redeemed them from captivity. He did so for his own benefit, for he redeemed himself together with them. Wherever the Jews are in exile, the Shekinah is with them. 
And when they leave exile, it is as if God has been redeemed as well. God also obtained a bargain in choosing the Jews as his people because other peoples praise their gods when they prosper and curse them when their fortunes change. But Jews praise God always. Other peoples, i.e. non-Jews, i.e. the nations, i.e. idolaters, praise their gods when they prosper and curse them when their fortunes change. But Jews praise God always when they prosper and also when they are in difficulties. Ain't owed Milvado much. So, uh, that's ridiculous. But uh, Devarim 30 verse 3 says, Then the Lord your God will return your captivity. This is Rashi. He says to this phrase, then he will bring back your expresses this idea. It ought to have written captivity. But our rabbis learned from this that if one can say so of God, his divine presence dwells with Israel in all the misery of their exile. That is the Shekinah. So that when they are redeemed, i.e. when he speaks of their being redeemed, <clears throat> he makes scripture right, redemption of himself, i.e. he makes it state that he will be redeemed, that he will return with them. There it is, Tractate Megillah 29a, that furthermore the following may be said in explaining the strange form day of the gathering of the exiles is so important and is attended with such difficulty that it is as though he god himself actually sees hold of each individual's hands dragging him from his place so god himself returns with exile with the exile as it is said yeshiyahu isaiah 27 12 and you shall be gathered one by one. O ye children of Israel. We find however the same expression in connection with the gathering of the exiles of the other nations also. For example. And I shall bring back the exiles of Moab. Yermiyahu 48.47 So. Yeshiyahu. If I can find this commentary. You just earned your place. In the uh, Masay PSI. Yes, Yahoo 27.12 from the Art Scroll. What does it say? Hashem will thresh and you will be gathered up. The literal definition of Hashem will thresh is beating an olive tree to release its fruit. Or beating the sheaves of wheat to release its grain. Eben Ezra, Radak, Abarbanel, and Metzudo. Continues to say, i.e., Hashem will begin to gather the Jews of the diaspora as described in the next verse. That's Rashi. It, alternatively, this refers to the remnants of the tribe of Ephraim, which will be beaten in the days of Sennacherib until few will be left. They too will be gathered and brought to Jerusalem. Their independent kingdom will no longer exist. Yep, remember that northern kingdom that rebelled against the southern kingdom? 
and they set themselves up under the headship of the tribe of Ephraim. That was considered to be lots of idolatry going on up there. But anyway, that, that independent kingdom will no longer exist. It says, but although they are beaten, they will be gathered together with the people of Yehuda. This is the Eben Ezra. The purpose of threshing is to separate the kernels from the husk. Similarly, God will thresh the Jewish people to separate them from the physical and ideological assimilation caused by their long dispersion among their host cultures. Rabbi Schwab, say to the law, we're going to be threshed during the exile to separate out the wheat from the chaff, as it were. Or as it puts it here, separate the kernels from the husk because the places that have hosted us culturally during this exile, i.e. do we act like Americans? Do we act like Romans? Do we act like whatever nation we're a part of? Is it different and physical and ideological uh, t terms and concepts that we learn from the Torah? Because as we see with Hebrew, as we learn the language, there's a culture that's connected to it. There's a, a way of life that we are to operate by that is completely different. For instance, one of the biggest things we do in Jewish Judaism is Shomer Nagiyah. Well, it's considered to be disrespectful, at least in the United States, if you don't shake the hand of the person you're meeting. You know, so like if it's a woman and a man and they're meeting for the first time, it's like, oh, yeah, shake their hand, you know, uh, hug them, kiss them, all this kind of stuff. There's different cultures that are super touchy with everything. Well, there's Shomer Nagia that we operate in in Torah observance. So when a man meets a woman, uh, it better be his wife if he's going to be touching all over her and stuff like that. Or uh, that's basically proposing, uh, even though it'd be inappropriate. If you want to, if you're going to propose, you do that with a glass of kiddush. You know, you say the brock over the wine, hand it to the woman. If she drinks, then boom. You know, that's a proposal, which is really weird because we're used to pull out the ring, get down on a knee, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, a little bit different. But not to say any of that is wrong, like shaking ladies' hands is wrong, hugging people that are not your wife is wrong, all that kind of stuff, um, talking to the guys and vice versa with the women, hugging people that are not your husband, all that kind of stuff. It's just to say that we have to understand the assimilation uh, that has taken root and to understand that as we're getting closer to the end of exile, that there is a process of distinction and separation that we have to allow ourselves to undergo as we learn and we grow how to be less like an idolater, how to be less like a non-Jew, and to be more like a Jew. And to not be offended by it, to not be, um, what is that word, intimidated by it, because, I mean, that's a lot to really take on. Like, you're going to go from, like, 100 miles an hour just constantly and you're gonna like hit the hit the 180 on them you know like car chase movie style like you're just er, skid, skid marks with the car turn it around throw it in reverse and then hit the 180 throw it back and drive and take off in the direction of uh tour observance it's just kind of like man i don't know about this like yesterday i was hugging everybody and today i'm not you know personal story is that when i first got to sarshalom uh boy you 
I'm such a hugger. Like, man, I'm like, man, I'm going to hug this person, I'm going to hug that person. I was hugging everybody's wife. I was like, oh, it's so good to meet you. Shabbat shalom. Da, da, da. And everybody's like, uh, Mazel, could you please tell your husband to quit hugging me? Like, that's really awkward. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. When I found out you shouldn't be hugging women that are not your wife, I was just like, oh, my gosh. What did I do? You know, I was freaking out. You know, so there's, I mean, this is just one example. Shomer Nagi is one example. But it's really important to know that part of redeeming us from exile speaking namely of Hashem redeeming the Shekinah, but it's also taking us out of assimilation. You know, so we have to we have to make sure that we uh, understand that fine line between, you know, culture versus, you know, what we really need to be doing. Also, verse 13 of Yeshayahu 27 says this, It shall be on that day that a great shofar will be blown. Be shofar gadol, like we say in the Shemoni Esrei, it says on that great day of end gathering, all the exiles will be gathered together, as if by the blast of the great shofar. That's Radak and also Abarbanel and Rabbi Hirsch bringing that commentary down. So beautiful way to kind of launch out into this tour portion because we're talking about journeys and everything and. Um, you know, making sure that we're moving away from being assimilated and getting back to Torah, true Judaism and culture. And that's also meant to be an encouragement to each and every one of us that there are lots of things that we're having to grow out of and grow into. And we need to take it easy on ourselves, take it easy on other people and uh, be humble in that process because you're going to mess up. I mess up all the time, still messing up on stuff. And I'm like, seriously, I come on now get it together you know but we have to allow people that space and i want to go ahead and shout out uh taos which is our lady sif avenger so taos shlita uh she posted this earlier and i loved it she said this is from my new studies on uh what's your new studies it's called the garden of wisdom by rabbi shalom arush so it says the importance of diligence. The Gemara praises the attribute of diligence by saying anyone who prays from the same place daily, the God of Abraham helps him. And when he dies, he is praised for being humble and compassionate. That is from the Gemara on Brakot 6b. One may ask, what is so special about praying from the same place daily? The answer is quite simple. For a person to get along in a group, he must be humble. If he would take offense at any perceived breach of his dignity, he'd be switching synagogues all the time. Since he prays from a permanent place, he shows that he is humble. Not only that, to get along with others over a period of time, not only that, but to get along with others over a period of time, a person must be compassionate rather than self-centered and concerned with his own well-being. Absolutely ridiculous. I also want to point out that Kola Shlita, our Storm Avenger, uh, sent a little message to me on uh, my teaching of the letter Tav. And I want to go to that really quick. Uh, let see here. 
Yep, boom, here it is. If you hear me speaking, it's because I'm going to the actual uh, page. So let's see. All right, cool. Now I won't be speaking. All right, so it says, repair of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Yeshayahu 58.12, repairs of the breach. But to understand how to do a repair, only to read the whole chapter of 58. So in other words, if you really want to understand what it means to repair the breach, you got to read the whole chapter of Yeshayahu 58. So that was ridiculous. But she continues because that's how she does. You know, she brings in a little wind. Then she brings in a little overcast. And then she brings down some rain and starts lightning. And then there's all sorts of other weather systems that she brings in. So, you know, she's like an artist with the elements, basically. So anyway, it says, that's how this repairer spoke to me a few years ago. Only through the verse 1 to verse 14, which talks about keeping the commandments. Especially keeping the Shabbat, then we will be repairers of the breach. Powerful, powerful. Verse 12, those from among you will rebuild ancient ruins. You know, part of the ancient ruins is the temple. Just going on to say, you will raise up the age old foundations and you will be called the repairers of the breach. So, in other words, if you really want to repair the breach and you're not keeping Shabbat, that's going to be a problem. If you're not keeping the commandments, there's also no repair going on. Uh, and Yerushalayim has to be rebuilt. And it's going to be rebuilt by Hashem. And in order to do a rebuilding process that Hashem is in charge of, you have to be in agreement with Him. Which again, back to Devarim 30 verse 3. And back to Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. That we have to do what Hashem said. Mashiach only speaks what Hashem said, just like Moshe did. Moshe only spoke what Hashem said. So, when we look at how we're supposed to be repairing and rebuilding the temple, we need to be keeping the commandments, making converts, and especially keeping the Shabbat. All found in Isaiah 58.12. So, rebuild ancient ruins, restore those ancient paths. Paths of righteousness, paths of truth, the way, the truth, and the life. People of repentance, bringing light into the world from the four corners of the earth. That's the way to get out of exile. That's the way to get back in the land. That's the way to make Aliyah to Israel, by the way. Because before you can go into the physical land, you got to go into the spiritual land, which is the Torah. Because why? The Torah is called a heritage. Morashah. So, and that's literally something that is an active uh, engagement that in order for you to receive that inheritance you have to take it by force this is why we as the Pete have to understand we need to avenge we need to take upon the mantle of moving forth in the spirit and truth doing what Hashem says regardless of approval of man so many times we let other sects of Judaism, other Jewish leaders that we watch on YouTube determine our trajectory and we need to stop it. We don't look to other people for the example because we look to the example. Who is that? That's Mashiach Yeshua. Did you know these same rabbis that we so glean after and, and gloat over and just kind of swoon about 
they speak all the Hebrew in the world, have all the sources that they can share with us directly from Hebrew without English translation. Those very people, when you talk to them about Mashiach Yeshua, they don't have the time of day for that right now. So if you really look at what's going on, like it's as if you putting them ahead of Mashiach Yeshua, which if any Rebbe is going to be ahead of Mashiach Yeshua, that's when you need to go back to the call no man rabbi understanding. Because Messiah was letting us know if you're going to esteem a person that has the title rabbi over me, uh, that's that's wrong. That's that's a no-go. That's a no-go zone. We can't be saying, oh, Rabbi so-and-so, you know, uh, I got to I gotta listen to him and I got to follow him. And we need to be doing things like him and we need to do things like his followers. It's like, excuse me, is Mashiach Yeshua your Rebbe or not? Because any Rebbe that's a Rebbe is empowered through him. Because who is Mashiach Yeshua? He is the very Torah that they're teaching. But yet they don't even realize it's him. So back to you search the scriptures for eternal life and here I am, Mashiach says. Did you know that was a thing? You can like literally be in Torah and completely miss Mashiach Yeshua. I'll tell you from experience, I've done it. And it's the most awkward thing when you like are so Torah observant and... Uh, you you're devoid of Mashiach Yeshua. So this verse, Bezrat Hashem, that uh, I'm going to uh, share, uh, is an expression of that. It's an example of that. It is Yochanan chapter five. Specifically, verse 39 says, but what, in, what does it say in context? Let's see in context. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Let's go with. Got all these options in front of me, man. It's, it's beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Hashem, for options. Okay. It says, you search the scriptures, which, by the way, is the Tanakh. So you have a Tanakh. You look through it. You search it because you think that in them you have eternal life. Because what do we say after we read the Torah? Who has emplaced, who has emplaced eternal life within us? Who has placed eternal life within us, right? Uh, like blessed are you out in our God king of the universe get the uh, the English here because I want to I want to give it verbatim the basic saying is that you know we bless you out king of the universe You've selected us from all the peoples. You've given us your Torah and you have emplaced eternal life within us. Let's get it on the right track. Here it is. The English of that. Super importante. There we go. 
it says that uh, you gave us the Torah of truth and implanted eternal life within us. Right? So, Torah is part of Tanakh. Tanakh is considered to be Torah by extension because it's got the, the Haftorah, it's got the, the Ketuvim, the writings, you know, like Kohelet and Tehillim and things like that, right? So, Yeshua says, it is these that testify about me. So you search them because you think you have eternal life. You think that in them you have eternal life. Well, it testifies about me. So he says, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you might have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. So this is the awkward thing that you can be in Torah and not have Mashiach Yeshua. You can be in Torah and not love God. Because if you loved God, you would love people and you would give people the opportunity to get connected and attached to Hashem. And so many times, Jewish leaders of this, this generation anyway, tell people things like, nah, you don't need to convert. Is your mother Jewish? Ah, get out of here. Uh, why don't you just be a Noahide? It's just like, okay, but I believe in Mashiach Yeshua, so I cannot be a Noahide. You realize that, right? Because part of being a Noahide, the seven commandments given to Noah, nothing in those commandments, even in the breakdown, says that one needs to believe in Mashiach. So, therefore, if you believe in the Messiah Yeshua, and you know that he's the Mashiach, and you follow him, and you know that he's the Torah in human flesh... Um, yeah, you are not a Noahide. Just want to point that out. So to submit and bow out from conversion and say, yeah, I'll just go ahead and be a Noahide because I was told by Rabbi so-and-so to do this. You have uh, put yourself in a very awkward place because you're being now disobedient and you're basically carving yourself out of covenant because the more and more you move into this thought or this ideology of being a Noahide, you're basically saying, the reason I'm doing this is because a man told me this is what I need to do. So at that point, you'd be better off not reading your Bible. You'd be better off taking off your zitzit. You'd be better off going out and doing whatever you want to do, like people who go to church. So maybe not all people who go to church, because some people that go to church don't even know that they should be doing what the Bible says. But that's another drosh for another time so yeah we on a journey parsha masay psi sourcing it out back to the mnemonics it says that uh the portion of masay contains 132 verses the mnemonics are mahala or makla which has the numerical value of 83 and Chole, which has a numerical value of 49. Together, they equal 132. 132, by the way, is the word Kabbal, which means to receive. It is the root of Kabbalah. Slika. It also breaks down to Kuf Lev, the 100 of the heart, which is the 100 of the heart, is the 100 blessings that we're to recite daily. And anytime you bless Hashem, you want to make sure that your heart is in it. Because Lev is the word for heart. Lev is the 
last and first letter of the Torah. The last letter of the Torah is a lamet. The first letter of the Torah is a bet. So the Torah is considered the heart. So you want to make sure also when you're blessing Hashem that you're blessing Hashem predicated off of Kabbalat HaTorah. The reception of the Torah, or shall we say Kabbalat Ha'ol, Kabbalat Ol, acceptance of the yoke, acceptance of the yoke of heaven. If you're a person who wants to bless Hashem, but you are devoid of Torah, you don't want to accept the yoke of heaven, then your prayers are called an abomination. Did you know that? So, um, let's get that up here. It is uh, Mishle 28.9. Proverbs 28.9. So you want to make sure that if you're going to be blessing and praying to Hashem and, and all that, you better make sure Torah is something you're appreciative of. It says, if one turns aside, Mesir Azno Mishma Torah. If one turns aside his ear. Okay, so if you... And it, I think it's interesting the word for turn aside is messier, like messier my ear off, okay? Like I'm going to sear myself, like cut it off kind of thing. If you turn aside your ear from hearing the Torah, his prayer too will be considered an abomination. It says prayer is not merely a petition for one's needs, okay? It's not, it's not, okay, I need something, so let's go pray. It's like, no, you don't just pray because you need something. Hence why Ma'ariv, Shakarit, Minka is uh, totally not about praying because we need something. Also, it says, rather, it means, it is a means of spiritual growth and bonding with the Creator. But this is stifled when one distances himself from Torah. That's from the Miktav Eliyahu. If a scholar is not interested in hearing someone else's words of Torah, if a scholar is not interested in hearing someone else's words of Torah, Hashem will have no interest in hearing his words of prayer. That's from the Medzudot. This is why I love the Chavengers because each of us are getting to share with one another's Devar Torah and there is a tag system where you hear someone out, you tag after they're finished, you build on what they say or you bring up more sources. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to agree. It's a beautiful time where, you know, we're working together. We're combining our superpowers. And so uh, that's why I love the Avengers, because we get to experience this on a constant basis of when we hear other people's Torah, what that does, not only to us, but to the atmosphere and not only to the atmosphere, but to all of creation. So this is why it's super important that we safeguard and that we are very vigilant about hearing someone else's words of Torah. If someone has something to share on Torah, whether you've heard it before or not, hear it again. If someone has a differing opinion, a differing commentary or perspective on what you have to say, as long as there's a source, bring it in. Because that's what the Talmud is full of. The Talmud is full of so-and-so says, but so-and-so says in the name of so-and-so, and then so-and-so disagrees. You know, Rashi disagrees with Rambam, you know, uh, and all sorts of stuff. But the thing is, is when you put these sources together, look at all the illumination that comes out. 
And that's how we have to be. So this is what's called an argument for the sake of heaven. And if you're going to hear someone else's Torah, whether it's something that you don't agree with, you know, personally, it's, it's truth over feelings, first of all. So it's no time for us to get our feelings hurt. We need to understand how to see the perspective that someone else has when they're bringing what they're presenting with what you've just shared, because what you've just shared is something that Hashem showed you. And what this other person, Bezrat Hashem, is sharing is something that Hashem has showed them. So Bezrat Hashem, Hashem is showing us, and Bezrat Hashem, Hashem is showing the other person that we're listening to. And so when you put those things together, which by the way is called being at Shalom, where you can have two different uh, opinions, different commentaries that are sharing different things. Like for example, uh, Parashamatot was saying that Pincus uh, slew Belam, but yet another source says it was a Danite that slew Belam, Belam, Slika. So, you know, so it's just like, are we just going to go with Legends of the Jews or are we just going to go with the Midrash or we're just going to go with the Talmud or what are we going to do? The answer is yes. We're going to take all of it. So anyway, hence why the word Chavinger is the root Haver, which means beloved brother or sister. So we do things together. Okay, whatever it takes. Remember, Iron Man couldn't defeat Thanos by himself. Neither could Captain America. But when everybody got in... Oh, oh, and Captain Marvel. She she had a pretty good run. Scarlet Witch looks like she was about to take him out. But uh, the whole rain-fire thing happened. And she got knocked out. So she didn't get to kill Thanos. So, But everybody's able to do it together, though. And if you want to make a run and, and you know hype up Iron Man, he took Thanos out. Well, how did he get the stones? Because, you know, that's something to think about, too, that in order for Iron Man to make the sacrifice play, uh, they had to have teams go back in the quantum realm and each person had to, you know, go get the stones and bring them all back. And then it was Iron Man, Hulk and Rocket working together on the Infinity Gauntlet. So, I mean, it wasn't really it wasn't a, a one man effort. So we have to do things together. So part of the journey aspect, we have to understand we have to do things together. Going on to say, again, I'm reading from the uh, Art Scroll Mishlei, the Art Scroll Proverbs. It says, All Sheik adds that if the scholar has no interest because he has already learned the topic. Oh, I just, just talked about this. It's like, oh, I heard that before. I don't want to hear that anymore. Don't share your source. You, I've heard that before. Yikes. Because guess what? All Sheik has something to say to that. You have no interest because you've already learned the topic? Hashem may tell him, as it were, and I have heard the same prayer for, from you numerous times before. If he refused to attend a lecture because he did not respect the teacher, Hashem may say, I find your words despicable to me. Yikes. Because how many times do we say Shema? Oh yeah, uh, when we retire and when we arise. How many times do we retire and arise? How many times do we go to sleep and Bezrat Hashem Hashem restores our soul to wake us up. 
and uh, when we wake up, we do the modayani, right? How many times do we say that? So if somebody has a source that they want to share and you've heard it before and you're like, yeah, I heard that before. I don't want to hear it. Think about the next time you are supposed to ask Hashem to forgive you for your sins. Because I'm pretty sure we pray for forgiveness all the time. And if we don't, that's a red flag. Yeah. Mishlei 28.9 is just overflowing with stuff. There's a lot more to share here, but I just definitely want to share this from the Derashot Sefer Mishlei. Furthermore, if a person refutes to hear the words of Torah, his mind will likely not be pure and his prayers will therefore be abominable. You want to have clean prayers? Better listen to some clean Torah. <laughs> All right. So first thing I want to attack, not really attack, but the first place I want to go is to the cities of refuge, which is like at the end of this parsha. Um, it says about these cities of refuge. Let's see here. Um, sit, okay, this is from Sefer Hinuk. Says the Torah includes six hundred and thirteen mitzvot, which are the commandments. Of these, the mitzvot that can be observed today, of the 613 mitzvot that can be observed today, how many do you think we can do? If your answer was all of them, then you deserve an ice cream sundae with whatever toppings you want to put on it. Because why? Because if you keep the Shabbat, it's the equivalent of the 613 commandments. But in all reality, though, as far as what you can actually observe and do because even though there are ways for us to complete the whole Torah and fulfill it like keeping the Shabbat for instance what about other times that you're able to do mitzvot well it says following the destruction of the temple and our exile from the Holy Land like you know since we're not in the land we can't uphold during the Shemitah we are not able to give land outside of Israel a year off and for seven cycles on that 50th year give it a jubilee year we're not able to do that the Shemitah and the jubilee only applies to land in Israel so that commandments out or commandments are out it says well the number altogether is 339 among these are the mitzvot for which a person becomes obligated under certain circumstances so that it is possible that he never in his lifetime will blah so that it is possible that never in his lifetime will these circumstances come about and he will never have the opportunity to do them like the mitzvah to pay an employee on time the number of mitzvot that every jew is obligated in is 270 many of these however are binding only on certain days of the year or at certain times of the day like you can't just wake up and do minka okay like can't offer the evening the afternoon lamb in the morning like you can't do that <laughs> anyway goes on to say uh there are cert there are six mitzvot whose obligation is constant 
and does not depart from the person for a single moment through his lifetime. What are they? Believe in God, profess and avow to his oneness, renounce idolatry, Ahavas Hashem, which is loving of love God, fearing Hashem, Yireh Hashem, Hashem Yireh, and to avoid temptation to sin. It says they are symbolized by the verse, six cities of refuge shall they be for you. The teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe brings down, but a haven is like the like the refuge, city of refuge is called a haven. Says is of little use if it is inaccessible or its location is unknown. By the way, one of the things that we learn in this parsha, I say about the cities of refuge, is that um, they have to be clear paths made to them. They need to have signs on them that says "city of refuge" this way. Uh, no faking people out, pointing them in the other direction. It's a serious thing when a person needs to go to sit the city of refuge. By the way, so. To point them in the wrong direction is like putting a stumbling block before a blind person. That's not 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 nice. Um, anyway, it's we need to make it like a very like it's a straight path. It's easy to get on and all that kind of stuff. So says that it as is the case with the physical cities of refuge, it is the community's responsibility to straighten the roads, to repair them, and to broaden them. Remove all impediments and obstacles and post signs at all crossroads pointing the way to the haven of Torah. We have to do that with ourselves as well. So that's the first thing out the gate that I definitely wanted to make sure that I talked about for Parsha Masay. And uh, the next thing, I mean, there's so much to really share but uh just let's, let's go back to the mnemonic because i'm interested about machla and chole so it says the daughters of zalafad complained that they had no brothers to inherit the land they would have acquired they would have acquired land in israel upon marrying but they loved israel so much that they couldn't bear to relinquish their father's property each of these women was brilliant, but the oldest and most intelligent of them was Machla. Machla means sickness. Because her yearning and desire for the land of Israel was like a passionate love sickness. That's pretty legit. Goes on to say, um, da, da, da. as King Shlomo says of God, my soul is sick with love for you. Shir Hashirin 2.5 Makla reveals the secret to our leaving our personal Egypt. To love the good and expansive land of Israel. This is why the second blessing of the Birkat Hamazon, by the way, is super importante. Goes on to say, if you want to leave your constraints, you must love freedom with all your heart. This is why the letter to the Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 where it says, for freedom Mashiach has set us free. We have to make sure that we love that. And what is the freedom? The freedom is none other than the engravings on the tablets, which is the words of Hashem. Which is, by the way, what we live off of, not by bread alone, but off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
i.e. today may you hear his voice it says you have to love freedom with all your heart and it says if you learn or if you yearn lovingly for your goal and visualize it you can pull yourself out of your predicament now chole it says the word chole is the word for sick it has the numerical value of 49 you know like the 49 gates that get us to the 50th like the 49 days that we count the omer uh, getting over our sickness as it were to leave out of Egypt to receive the Torah took us 50 days so it's a couple of months goes on to say it is said of Moshe that he only reached the 49th level of understanding and he was sick over it because he yearned so much to reach the 50th level when he died he was buried on Mount Nebo the word Nebo can be read as noon bow noon is 50 are with him this teaches us that Moshe finally acquired the 50th level of understanding as he died Megalea Mukot 12 1 call to action for this parsha is study the daily mitzvah of the Rambam now that's really helpful sometimes but the thing is, if you're going to study the Rambam, understand the Rambam is not the final authority and the final say on stuff. So many people are like, yeah, I got Hillcoat Rambam, like Hillcoat Malakim, I got the Mishneh Torah, da 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 da, and all this stuff. And it's just like, okay, do you know what his source was for all that? Because, you know, we can't stay stuck on Rambam. It's a condensed version of Mishnah, Gemara, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so many arguments in the Talmud that are open-ended and what's really cool is Mashiach uh, closed some of those discussions because the the thing we have to understand too is a lot of the unresolved uh, arguments from Talmud and uh, Halakha is there's an understanding in Judaism that those are going to be left ununderstood until Eliyahu shows up Eliyahu is the one who's going to clear it all up so that we're ready so when it comes to, you know, playing music on Shabbat, when it comes to driving on Shabbat, there's no final ruling on those things because the final rulings that are from the Sanhedrin, which is where you find in the Talmud, not in the writings of Rambam, but in the Talmud, not in the Shulchan Aruch, but in the Talmud. Uh, the Sanhedrin, first of all, never ruled anything on driving. And the whole thing about not playing music was actually don't play music ever. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a, that's not, that's not followed. So it's like, so did the Sanhedrin say that? No, they didn't. So, I mean, you know, we really got to focus on what did the Sanhedrin leave us with? And that's what we're hanging on to until Eliyahu gets here. So therefore, if we want to study Halakha, we need to understand chain of command you know so don't get duped because someone tells you well in the Mishneh Torah it says so we better make sure we're not doing that oh my gosh don't be sinners don't go to Gehenna for violating the Shabbat because you're driving your car or something like that you know read the Rambam it's cool learn how to do some mitzvah learn some things about it but you know 
everybody and their grandsister knows that at the end all be all you better make sure you talk to your rabbi and uh, follow what he says so you know the final ruling until Eliyahu returns is the rabbis so everybody needs to have their rabbi because how are you going to know what's right how are you going to know what's wrong how are you going to know what sources you need to follow you need to have your one rabbi who knows you who has a community who has an actual building you know <clears throat> has an actual community of people you know Beit Dean and all sorts of stuff like that not just some lone wolf guy who teaches from his basement who uh, tries to tell you what to do and uh, tries to tell you to make up your own law and stuff you know don't want to do that stay away from that the Lubavitcher Rebbe brings down according to the Hasidic thought the war against the seven Canaanite nations alludes to the battle of refining one's overtly undesirable traits which fall into seven broad categories stemming from the seven emotional faculties of the animal soul in contrast the war against Midian involved fighting against a subtle type of evil which is found in virtually every personality even those who dedicate themselves as full-time ministers quote-unquote of God thus even the Levites and those among the Jewish people who devote themselves to stand before God and serve as his minister must participate in waging the spiritual war against Midian a lack of unity and camaraderie arises from the sense of overinflated self-importance a lack of unity and camaraderie arises from a sense of overinflated self-importance you ever feel out of sync with the community you ever feel like when nobody loves me i don't have anybody that i can connect with well it's gonna hurt it's probably some overinflated self-importance going on we probably think we're a little too much of a bag of chips you know so we gotta we gotta humble ourselves bring it down a notch says what is the subtle evil that can plague even the most dedicated servant of God Hasidic thought says that this is a lack of unity and camaraderie between one man and another indicating underlying emotions of divisiveness and unjustified hatred all this arises from a sense of overinflated self-importance which causes a person to be intolerant of others and eventually view them as enemies clearly the war against these attributes is very important indeed that's why understanding my toad is intricately connected to Mase, because the tribes are journeying the matot are on the Mase. so we're not by ourselves we're not lone wolfing this thing we all have struggles and things that we're working through so may we all remember that and have unity and have camaraderie because we have humble personalities and that's what we're constantly called to work on we're called to work on getting the Esau out of us you know war against your Yatahara you're gonna lose sometimes but not every time Bashem Tov brings down, or Rabbi Yisrael Bashem Tov brings down, the 42 stations from Mitzrayim to the Promised Land 
are replayed in the life of every individual Jew as his soul journeys from the dis from its descent to earth at birth to its return to its source. So from our conception to our death, we are literally embodying Maasei. So this Torah portion is teaching us about life from the beginning to the end. And Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi brings down, it would seem that there was only one journey which took the Jews out of Egypt. Because it says in Bamibar 33.1, these are the journeys of the children of Israel going out of the land of Mitzrayim. So it says, it would only seem that there was one time we went out of Egypt. But it says their journey from Ramses to Sukkot. The other quote-unquote journeys listed in our parasha were between points outside of the geographical borders of Mitzrayim. Why then does the Torah speak of the journeys in the plural, i.e. Maaseh? It says, of the children of Israel going out of the land of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, which is the Hebrew word for Egypt, means borders and narrows. On the spiritual level, the journey from Mitzrayim is a journey from the boundaries that limit us. An exodus from the narrow straits of habit, convention, and ego to the good broad land of the infinite potential of our godly soul. Now, habits are good, conventions are good, egos are good. However, if they are narrow-minded in the sense of self-pleasure-seeking, self-gratifying, self-inflation, that's what you want to look out for. But if they're like, nope, we're going to serve Hashem, we're going to love Hashem, we're going to know Hashem is one, we're going to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Like if it's that kind of narrow-minded, then you're good to go. Anyway, and the journey from Mitzrayim is a perpetual one. What is expansive and uninhibited by yesterday's standards? You know, all of our failures need to be considered a yesterday. Even if you just fell five minutes ago, it's a yesterday thing. Because we're now in an expansive and an uninhibited place. Because when you failed, uh, Hashem still has breath in your lungs. So you have an opportunity now to move forward. If you stay in your failure, you're going to be doomed to repeat that and you're actually going to stifle your growth. You're never going to move forward. You're going to throw a pity party and you will get taken out by the enemy. See, failure is actually a launch pad to uh, infinite spiritual potential. But going on, it says... Um, Yesterday's standards is narrow and confining in light of added wisdom and new possibilities of today's station. Thus, each of life's journeys is an exodus from the land of Mitzrayim. Having transcended yesterday's limitations, we must again journey from the Mitzrayim that our present norm represents relative to our newly uncovered potential. 
Again, that is from Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi. The Midrash Tankuma brings down that we're going through a recounting of all our journeys, and it says this is comparable to a king whose child was ill, ill, slika, and he took him to another place to heal him. On their return journey, the father recounted all their stations. Here we slept. Here we caught cold. Here your head hurt. By the same token, God said to Moshe, recount for them all the places where it was that they had angered me. Rabbi Abraham Mordecai of Gur brings down, here we slept. That's Mount Sinai. Moshe had to wake the people up to have them receive the Torah. Here we caught coal, which is at Rephidim, where the Amalekites cooled our faith in Hashem on the road. Here you hurt your head. When they doubted the return of their head and leader, Moshe, and made the golden calf. You know, some of the things about our life is painful to look back at our past and be like, man, I can't believe I did that. But we have to remember that Hashem allowed us to be here now, which means he has given us an opportunity to grow from that, learn from that. Uh, don't do that again kind of thing. And even if you did repeat your failure again, well, you're still alive now. You have another opportunity to not repeat that. And this is my say. This is life. I always think about the scribal way of writing the letter Chet. That it is a Vav and a Zayin with a little hoop on top of them. So the person we are now has to be married to the potential that we can become. That little connector over the Vav and the Zion is likened to a hoopah, you know, and it looks like a little EKG mark where there's a ascent and a descent. And the Zion is nothing but a Vav with a Yod on top of it. And it's called the crowned man, the ascendant man. So you can take your old self and be crowned through the ascent and descents that you make in your life. And this is the letter Chet, which is, stands for Chaim. Where is Sephiroth Yot? on deck. Let's talk about the letter Chaim. Or let's, yeah, let's talk about the letter that's the beginning of Chaim. Start here. Learn from what has gone before that strength is not of might and force but of endurance and balance. This is the word chazak. As we say, chazak, chazak, venit hazek. Because we're getting ready to go into Devarim. Devarim is the parasha that is read before Tisha B'Av every year on the calendar. Because we have to understand our failures before we can understand our successes. Every successful person has a life that is like just filled with failures. Because you got to learn. I mean, if we're going to come out and do things perfectly, then we're the Mashiach. And that's not who we are. But we know Mashiach. May we be found in Mashiach. And may what was before be learned from, built upon. May we find balance from it and endure unto the future and may we bring about the end of this current exile in the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. 
Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, ki lishuateka kiviti Hashem, hakadosh baruchu, please send Mashiach now. I'd like to thank you for joining me for the PSI series for the Parashot of Sefer Bami Bar. Man, it's been so fun. As we look forward to Devarim, I have no idea what Sefer Devarim is going to be, if there's going to be a series or how that works, but we'll be talking about some with the help of Hashem. So, uh, Baruch Hashem, that will conclude the PSI series. Chazak, chazak venitasek. And we will close with the Bracha for after reading and studying Torah. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu menach haolam asher natan lanu Torat emet vechaye olam natan betokenu. Baruch atah Adonai noten ha-Torah.